This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Cullen, Deirdre of the Sorrows, Grow New Whale. From giants right down to fairies, of both the trooping and solitary, and those who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, Merrow Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore or mythology, we retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, culture and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olahan. I am your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 113 of Fireside. Today on the Irish storytelling podcast, we tell the story of the rival Kempers of Kemp culture, the spinning circle culture in Ireland and a tale of two rival campers that reminds us of a certain other folk tale from the Brothers Grimm. But first, if you are a brand new listener, you're very welcome along. If you enjoy this episode, why don't you head right back to episode 1, 112 and over two, 112 episodes and over two years ago and see what we've been building up to on the journey of Fireside so far. And if you're a returning listener, as always, thank you so much for your continued support. Please do follow me over on Instagram at FiresideBard if you want to get in touch. If you're not on social media, you can hit me up at thefiresidebard at gmail.com. And if you really want to support the podcast, you can do so over at headstuffpodcast.com and join Headstuff Plus, join the brand new community of Fireside listeners who are supporting the podcast and gaining access to not just bonus material for Fireside, but indeed all the other 33, 34 other podcasts on the Headstuff Podcast Network. Um, again, thank you so much to all of you, to Adele Fitzgerald, Matthew Hill, Derek Courtney, Nicole Serlich, Bernadette Brady, Emma Grossmith, Christopher Kendall, Jason Dixon, Brian McGlynn, Kit Mallow, Catherine Steele, Connor Phelan, Ben Clifford, Cassandra Burrow, Philip Kyo, and Karen Jackson is our latest supporter over on Headstuff Plus. I want to give a, sh- uh, a call out to those supporters on both both to people who have already joined up to Headstuff Plus and to people who are considering it. I want to know what you want from it because the latest piece of bonus material has just gone out, which is a video of Fireside's performance at the Dublin Podcast Festival, which is something I've been sitting on for a good while. I kind of put a video together of the best bits of it. It was a it was a great show. It was a great thing to experience. Great to do a show in the Dublin Podcast Festival. But I want to know what you want because... I have I have several ideas of things I'd like to do as bonus videos. I could do more narrations I could do in some of the special episodes. Like there's a huge amount of Yeats poetry that talks about the the myths and legends that I've wanted to delve into a bit more. Um I've wanted to do Irish adaptations of other brothers' grim fairy tales. There's a lot of different things I could do and I'd be interested to do, but I'd be I want to hear from you. 
of what kind of thing you would like to hear from bonus material on Headstuff Plus if you're already a subscriber or if you're not yet and it might be something that might entice you. I want to hear from you because I want this to be a community and so yeah let me know what you'd like to hear from Headstuff Plus and join up if you have not already and you would like to. But the story for this week folks is speaking of the Brothers Grimm this was a tale I found in the Irish fairy tales books compiled by uh, WB Yeats and I love when this happens where I'm reading this story and it feels familiar in some way it's not a it's not quite literal but there's just something there's it feels like it's a very similar type of tale and there's another story that it reminds me of and as it happens I by the time I got to the end of this story I realized it was an adaptation of one of my absolute favorite Brothers Grimm fairy tales of all time and I'm sure it'd be one of yours one of the darkest of all of them and one of the best characters of all of them so I won't say it beforehand because I want to see if you too share that sense of deja vu as you're listening to it we'll reveal more afterwards of course but here is the story of the rival Kempers on Fireside The Rival Kempers There was once an event held up north called a Kemp A Kemp was a weaving competition to test the eligibility for marriage of young women from Anglo-Saxon times, spinning was a winter occupation for unmarried females, and it was perceived that no woman was eligible for marriage until she was able to spin a set of body, table, and bed linen. The last thread of this old custom survives today in the word spinster, a word we still apply to older unmarried women, but not men, of course. Naturally, the Irish took this outdated, misogynistic custom and turned it into a party. Kemp's were all mighty sessions. The spinners were cheered on by crowds of supporters like they were at a hurling match. At the end of the Kemp, when a winner spinner had been declared, there was a dance and more cheer and more crack, and all of this happened in the two or three hours before the break of day. In the parish of Fogaballa in the north of Ireland, the most eligible bachelor of the day was Sean Bui McGovern. He had stern, strong features. He was of a calm and kind temperament, and he stood to inherit a large estate of farmland upon the death of his father. So eligible a bachelor was he that Sean was spoiled for choice of the unmarried women of Fogaballa. Sean was not interested in just looks. He wanted a wife to match him in wit and wiles. And as it happened, there were over a dozen girls who fit that description. But the two who Sean liked best were Biddy Corrigan and Sally Gorman. The problem was, both Biddy and Sally had each won their respective Kemps. So what was poor old Sean Bui McGovern to do? What he did was he decided to give each girl the chance so he would hold another Kemp in his home. The All-Ireland Final of Spinning, Sally vs Biddy, winner take all. 
The thing was, both Sally and Biddy did indeed want to marry Sean Bowie McGovern. So Biddy approached her rival and said, Oh Sally, it'll surely be you that wins. Sally, not wanting to be outdone in civility, replied, Oh no, Biddy, I haven't a hope against you. Then each girl went home to her spinning wheel and began training. Three days before the camp at Sean Bowie McGovern's, a visitor came to the door of Paddy Corrigan. Biddy was the only one home at the time, so she answered the door to an ancient old woman, covered in a tattered but well-woven red cloak. Raised as she had been, Biddy invited the woman inside. "'Thank you, child. What has you at home alone today?' said the old woman. "'Oh, I am practising my spinning.' "'There's a camp this weekend.' "'Ah, yes, of course,' said the old woman, "'to win the hand of Sean Bui McGovern. "'And is that something you would like, child?' "'Oh, yes,' said Biddy. "'I would rather win a husband by spinning "'than be sold to one as livestock. "'I cannot inherit my own property, "'so if I must marry to have a good life, "'there's no one I would rather marry "'than Sean Bui McGovern.' The old woman was impressed with this. But please, said Biddy, her manners returning to her, sit down and warm yourself by the fire. It's cold outside. You should have a glass of bonnyerreur and some food. The old woman very gratefully consumed a glass of thick milk and a piece of cooked beef. Biddy Corrigan was a woman who understood the value of hospitality. Soon the woman headed for the door again but not before saying to Biddy, If you can figure out what my name is in three days, I promise you will win that camp and Sean Bui McGovern all to yourself. Biddy was left confused and anxious by this statement. She had no way of finding out this woman's name. She resumed her spinning practice with a distracted mind. Soon after, the same old woman in the same old red cloak appeared at the home of Sally Gorman. She was invited in and said, I hear you are competing against Biddy Corrigan for the hand of Sean Bui McGovern. Sally scoffed as she invited the woman to sit down. I'm not worried. Biddy is a good weaver, but she hasn't yet beaten me. Well, it's time you started worrying, thought the old woman. She sat there and talked to Sally Gorman for half an hour. As she was leaving, though, the old woman muttered under her breath, She's smooth and she's smart, and she wants the heart. She's tight and neat, but she gave me no meat. Three days came and three days went, and Biddy Corrigan was no closer to knowing the name of the little old woman in the red cloak. She asked around, but no one in Fagabala had ever seen or heard of such a figure. The day of the camp arrived, and all gathered at the home of Sean Bui McGovern. It was the competition all expected it to be. Hours and hours went by, and all was neck and neck between Biddy Corrigan and Sally Gorman. The crowds cheered on, bets were placed, lashings a drink was passed around. It was the camp to end all camps. 
But suddenly, a calamity struck Biddy Corrigan as the heck of her spinning wheel split in two under the pressure. Her spinning wheel now useless, Biddy was helpless to watch Sally Gorman take the lead. Biddy sat there, in tears with her broken wheel no closer to knowing the name of the little old woman. Biddy's only hope was her 14-year-old brother, Johnny Corrigan, who had carried her spinning wheel there for her that day. Johnny grabbed the wheel and ran to the wheelwright, Donal McCusker. Time was so short that Johnny cut through the forest. There, in the woods, Johnny passed a white thorn tree, and he was halted in his tracks by the sight of a little old woman in a red cloak, dancing. The white thorn was an enchanted tree of the fairies, and Johnny knew this. He looked on as the woman sang, There's a girl in this town who doesn't know my name, but my name's even trot, even trot. There's a girl in this town that has broken the heck of her spinning wheel. She is about to lose her chance at love if I cannot get it fixed by Donal McCusker, said Johnny Corrigan. What is her name? asked Even Trot. Biddy Corrigan. Upon hearing the name, Even Trot pulled a brand new heck out from under her red cloak and gave it to Johnny Corrigan. Take this to your sister and don't bother with Donal McCusker. Just don't tell Biddy that it was Even Trot that gave it to you. Johnny thanked the old woman and sprinted back to Sean Bui McGovern's house. Biddy could not believe her eyes when she saw the brand new heck arrive. Where did you get this so fast? I met a little old woman named Even Trot, said Johnny, forgetting what he had promised the old woman. Biddy suddenly felt greatly heartened by this name. She knew this must be the same old woman. With her new heck, Biddy began to weave once more, and no hands have ever woven as fast. The crowd watched in awe as Biddy Corrigan caught back up with Sally Gorman, and the more the crowd cheered for Biddy, the less heartened Sally became. Soon the two were neck and neck again, when the little old woman in the red cloak burst in the door and demanded, "'Is there anyone here who knows my name?' Biddy Corrigan proudly cheered, there's a girl in this town who does know your name, and your name is Even Trot, Even Trot. That's my name, and let it guide you and your husband through life. Stop little, and always advance, and you'll never have cause to rue the day you heard the name Even Trot. With this final encouragement, Biddy Corrigan won the Kemp and the hand in marriage of Sean Bui McGovern. The last I heard, they remained happily married for the rest of their lives, protected by the little old woman in the tattered but well-woven red cloak. And her name was Even Trot. Even Trot. The End Folks, as you all know, Fireside is a proud son of the Headstuff Podcast Network, which is Ireland's largest network of independent podcasts and a loving home for the creative and indeed the curious. There are so many other podcasts I could recommend to you on the network, some of which inspired me to approach Headstuff myself. Here's a taste of one you might enjoy. 
Spice Bags is a podcast about food in Ireland from an international perspective. Hi, I'm May. I'm an American food writer, and I'm with my friends Blanca, a chef from Spain, and Dee, an Irish food editrix. And we are the Spice Bags, three sassy ladies with a lot to dish up. Join us for the chats. And that was the tale of the rival Kempers on Fireside, and I hope you enjoyed it. So, crunch time. What brother's grim tale does that make you think of? It might not be very obvious, it's subtle in one way, but to me, this immediately says one name, and that name is Rumpelstiltskin. In Rumpelstiltskin, a miller's daughter is asked to weave straw into gold, a little man comes along and said he will weave straw into gold for her if he promises to give her his her unborn child. And when the child is born and the little man tries to take the baby, he says, I will. The only way I will give you your baby back is if you can guess my name in three days. And sure enough, they find him dancing in the woods and they hear him calling his own name that they never know my name is Rumpelstiltskin which I found out in German means wrinkled foreskin so you'll never not think of that will you and when they come they announce that they know his name is Rumpelstiltskin and Rumpelstiltskin shoves his foot into the ground and as he's pulling his foot back up he tears himself apart and that is how that brother's grim tale ends so with the rival kempers you have this same idea but a much more benevolent figure in even trot but it's the same principle of trying to guess the name of the enchanted figure to gain favor and to gain good luck so i'd be very interested to see did they come from two separate stories was the story of Rumpelstiltskin originally more like this or vice versa? But here we have an appropriation of this tale type of the guessing of the figure, of the magical figure, guessing of the name of the magical figure. And we have it appropriated into this very real culture that was a thing in Ireland, possibly other places, which I didn't really know about at all. And you would have cause to doubt it, you know, that there's these spinning competitions were held in Ireland but then again, we still use the phrase spinster. It's one of those those phrases that you wouldn't, that you don't think of where it came from. It's so, uh, it's so well asserted in society and an awful phrase it is too. And again, a very misogynistic phrase you'd never call. Like it's an old bachelor, but it's an old spinster. And like so many things, it's just an inherently sexist, inherently misogynistic thing. And maybe I was initially hesitant to adapt this story because of that as well. But what I quite liked about it is even though these these women, like it's a competition so that they can win their man, The Little Mermaid is quite a divisive story among feminist, in feminist theory. Um, on the one hand, you know, it's about a girl who changes who leaves her whole world behind and changes everything about who she is as a person for a man. But on the other hand, she is one of the most active heroines, certainly in a Disney movie. Like Ariel, like 
decides she wants that lad and goes out and does something about it. She goes and she hunts him down. So what she is very active in her own story because that can be quite problematic considering with a lot of the earlier Disney Disney princesses is they're quite passive observers to their own fates. Whereas not Ariel. Ariel wants something and she goes out and she gets it. She does become less active as the story goes on. I absolutely will admit that. But because of that active role kind of absolving it somewhat... I think I think the rival Kempers is another story like that that we have this kind of misogynistic culture but we have two very active characters in it like it's at Sean Boy McGovern's house and he is but he isn't the character and that the characters are Biddy and Sally and even Trot and that what what made me quite and then when I detected the Rumpelstiltskin ethos in it and it just became very grim immediately g-r-i-g-r-i-m-m it made me really like it and it just it's real three actor you know it's it's a really tight story it was one of those ones that i only had to read it a couple of times and the adaptation just just came out i didn't have to constantly reference back i could just tell my version of this story because the the bones of it just were in my brain and even in the recording of it now Sometimes it depends on the day. Sometimes it depends on how well or badly I've adapted a story. But sometimes the actual recordings of these scripts can be tough. And, you know, sometimes if I record it at the wrong time of the day, I'm fluffing up a lot. I'm making a lot of mistakes and it makes the edit a nightmare afterwards. But particularly since I started editing this myself over the summer, I've tried to do as much rehearsal and cold reading beforehand so that the edit is much smoother. And that was one of the smoothest stories I've done since I started doing the edit. I only made a couple of bluffs there. That'll be a very easy that'll be a very easy one in the edit now. And I think part of that is how smoothly it works as a story. And there's and there was another thing that this story made me think of and it was a purely aesthetic thing in the end but in my head I was thinking even Trot isn't that a Roald Dahl story and sure enough it's Essio Trot by total coincidence I think but maybe not it was Roald Dahl's last story so if you were having a kind of Roald Dahl deja vu that's the reason for that as well and even again not just with this idea of guessing the person's name but also weaving spinning Spinning is a huge component of the Rumpelstiltskin story as well. So it's another unignorable comparison and similarity to the two stories. And it made it, it just made it work and it really latched into my head. And I love, there's something incredible about this, the idea of this party, this competition that people would be cheering on both sides this spinning competition and that it takes place in the early hours of the morning that it takes place in the three hours before dawn just picturing these two sides come on come on weave that wool spin that wool it made it quite different when we've had stories recently about dances and parties and this and this was just a totally different thing apparently this was more of a culture in the north of ireland certainly this story is set in the north of ireland and when i 
adapted from the Yeats book. It said specifically this was a culture from the north of Ireland. So I'd be interested to find out more about that. I'd be interested to see if Kemp culture comes up again because every so often I discover a folktale about some tradition or culture from a time in Ireland that I'd never encountered before and then sometimes I see it everywhere then and then sometimes I never see it again so I'd be interested have you any of you ever heard of camp culture before is this a story you've heard a version of do let me know if you have and uh, let me know if you too got the got the rumpled stiltskin the wrinkled foreskin uh, vibe off this story which again gets me back to Headstuff Plus and about wanting to wanting you to tell me what you would like from bonus episodes because yeah that's something I've always wanted to do and and maybe it is just something I'll stick for the main issue of the of the the main episodes of of Fireside because a few of these have come up now where there've been Irish versions of the grim tales we had the very first thing we had was Gold Tree and Silver Tree being Snow White with Fair Brown and Trembling being the story of Cinderella. We had one more recently enough that I cannot remember. And now we have Rumpelstiltskin as well. But I wanted to do all of them. I want to do all of the best grim fairy tales. Because they were the originals for me. The Greek myths were the original myths for me. The grim fairy tales. Like for so many of us. Whether it be through Disney or be through um, storybooks. As I proudly even trying to to be taken seriously as a storyteller and a folklorist and a writer i still am a die as a die hard a disney fan as there is i i take disney very very seriously i read book i read a book on the economics of disney is is how much i think i always illustrate it mostly as and i think that's my love for this kind of material this folklore and myth has always been tied in to that love of Disney and being able to take the bad sides out of Disney and bring them back to how they were intentionally meant to be, which is stories. So let me know if that's something you would be interested in. If you want to hear me do more readings and more poetry, I'm working on a poetry collection myself at the moment. So there could be a bit of that. Like I want this to be, again, I can't say that enough. I I want this to be a fireside community and I want you to tell me, what you want from it, what will make you stay as a subscriber to Headstuff Plus and what will make you come on board. Or just And just even for Fireside in general, you know, what you want to hear from it. Because I've, I feel quite comfortable with the groove Fireside is in at the moment. I don't think we're in any danger of running out of material, but it's always just good to hear and to keep within, keep in contact with all of you. So I'm going to wrap things up there. But I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and thank you to Alan, Paddy and Connor, everyone over at Headstuff. I continue to record remotely in my home studio. Look forward to one day, one day getting back into the Headstuff Podcast Network studio. Um, yeah, follow me over on Instagram at FiresideBard. Email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com. Follow me or subscribe to Headstuff Plus if you want to, if you're in a position to. If you want to join this new fireside community we want to build. Uh, I'll see you all. You'll hear me all next time where we have the myth of the Dagda's Harp. Great, 
great really self-contained myth that I discovered quite recently I'm delighted with I look forward to sharing it with you because I wanted the Dagda to have his own episode and I found one for him at last I'll see you all you'll hear me all next time and remember wherever you are and wherever you go you can always join me by the fireside This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.